Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. The Acts of the Apostles is really the story of the early church. It's the story of what Jesus not only commissioned the 11 disciples to do and a handful of followers, but the book of Acts never ends. There's no formal closing because the book of Acts is still happening today. That what Jesus began to do and teach, Acts chapter one and verse one, he is still doing today. He's doing it through his body, the body of Christ, the church. And not just through preachers, though he uses preachers and pastors, he's doing it through people who are born again, people who have given their heart to him, people who are continuing the work of the ministry. We've titled this series, Power Today. Let's pick it up, Acts chapter one, verse three. After his, that's Jesus' suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So this is following his resurrection. He spends 40 days with the disciples over and over again, appearing to them over and over again, convincing them that he has risen from the dead. And during that time, teaching them, speaking to them about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's the king's domain. It's how the king thinks. It's what the king does. It's what's important to the king. It's the way life in the kingdom is supposed to happen. He's talking to them. He's preparing them. And then it says this, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Whatever we're going to talk about today is not an option, it's essential. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. He said to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. I want you to think about this. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you weren't here last week, you really need to go back, listen to last week, because we're going to lay some foundational understanding that will help you, because there are many people here. In fact, I would suggest most people today in this room know little, if anything, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and a lot of what people know is not accurate. Or it's, it's not fully formed in their mind. It's been based on what what they thought, what they heard, but not what the Bible says. How important is the baptism in the Holy Spirit if Jesus talking to a group of people who have more experience in healing, exorcism, all kinds of signs and wonders, how important is it if he's telling this group who who has spent three years with him, listen, I don't want you to go out, I don't want you to preach, I don't want you yet to talk about what I've told you, I don't want you to try to heal the sick, I don't want you to try to raise the dead, I don't want you to try to cast out demons until you receive what I've promised you, a baptism with the Holy Spirit. Listen, praise God that he's a God who answers prayer. But without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, our experience of the supernatural, both in what we speak 
and in what we see in terms of signs and wonders will be drastically reduced. Jesus knows this. This is why Jesus says to the apostles, don't do anything. You desperately need this. What happens to a lot of Christians, honestly, is they're trying to live a supernatural life without a supernatural empowerment. And it's disappointing, and it doesn't work. We talk about God healing, but if we're not filled with the power that brings about God's healing, we're going to see less or little of what God would desire to do. Honestly, I don't care what your theological persuasion is. I don't care what background you're from or if you're from no background at all. It really doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you and I, in this moment when God is moving in the church in power, in this moment where God is touching people in a way Debbie and I have not seen in 30 years, in this moment where there is a rising tide of the presence of the Lord to touch people, I, I desire for you to know the power of God as the Bible presents it. It's his will for you. And without it, you will be frustrated and you will deal in a theology that simply tries to explain your theological disappointments. Luke 24. Jesus had told them, Luke tells us, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Don't go anywhere. Don't. Yes, he's told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, but don't even try to do it until you're clothed with power. You say, well, I know people, and they were very effective. Well, you know what? Let's not deal in exceptions. Let's deal in, in the basics of how effective are you? I don't care what Billy Graham did. Praise God for Billy Graham. You're not Billy Graham. I'm not Billy Graham. You need power. I need power, right? Jesus says, stay until you're clothed with power. Acts 1.5, he says essentially the same thing for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the real question is, why do they need that what will it do for them? And most important today, what will it do for you? Why do you need it? Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We're going to cover this in weeks to come. We're going to deal with this this morning. You will receive power. In the Greek, the word is dunamis. We get our word dynamite, explosive power. Strong's would define it as mighty power, miraculous power. You will receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
Ten times this word power is used in the book of Acts. Every single time it tells us what it looks like. It tells us what it does. So really what it becomes then is it becomes a textbook for us to understand what the Holy Spirit's power does in us if we have it. Because honestly, I think there are some people, and I'm not trying to be unkind, I just wish for you all that God has for you. But if you think you have all that God has for you already, and you don't, you will not seek what he offers. You'll be too easily satisfied with an encounter that you had years ago, or an existence that you know now, but that does not demonstrate itself with mighty power, miraculous power. This is the norm. This is what God has. This is the way this works. And Peter's going to tell us in Acts 2, this promise is for you and all who are far off, whoever will believe in the Lord Jesus. This is, this is good news. This is all-encompassing. This is for everybody who becomes a Christian. God's will is for you to have a power that is a mighty power, that is a supernatural power, that is a miraculous power. Here's what it looks like in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Men of Israel, this is Peter preaching. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles. What does that power look like? It's miracles. When you have that power, miracles are a part of that. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our own miraculous power, our own mighty power, our own dunamis or godliness, we've made this man walk? The man had been lame since birth. We're talking about a power that makes the paralytic walk. You say, do you really believe that? I believe it. I know it. We're beginning to see the, the, the evidence of it. As people with broken pelvises are healed in the name of Jesus. We've watched it happen. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. They, the Jewish elders, had Peter and John brought in before them and began to question them. By what mighty power, by what miraculous power, or what name do you do this? They've heard about the man who was paralyzed, who is now walking, and they're saying, we want to know what power, what miraculous power you're doing this by. And then we read again in Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, with great power, with great miraculous power, with great mighty power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. What are we talking about there? We're talking about power to speak boldly about the name of Jesus, even when it could cost you your life. Listen, honestly, this is very practical. If your neighbor doesn't know Jesus, 
and you're afraid to go talk to them, you need great power. You need miraculous power. Listen, forget this idea that somehow because you are quiet by nature and introverted, you are somehow released from your responsibility to evangelize. Not so. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. If you have an extroverted, charismatic personality and you're articulate, wow, it's going to be awesome for you. If you don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to go. Too many people excuse themselves from the Great Commission because they are afraid. And the reason why is because they don't have miraculous power. They don't have mighty power. We're talking about the kind of power that takes you outside yourself, that does what you cannot do. Listen, you can't heal the sick, and I can't heal the sick, but if that miraculous power is flowing through us, by the power of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can heal the sick, you can raise the dead, you can, you can cast out demons, and you can talk to your neighbor about Jesus. Acts 6, 8, because some people will say, well, you know what, uh, that's good for preachers and preachers and missionaries. They really need that. Well, here's Stephen, and Stephen is a deacon in the church. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and mighty power, miraculous power, dunamis, did what? He did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. What's the key? It doesn't say, do some people have a gift one of the spiritual gifts that allows them to do certain things. Yes, we, we know that's true, that that happens. But it doesn't attribute, in Stephen's case, his signs and wonders to a gift. It has to do with the power that he's full of. That power is available to you. Acts chapter 8, verse 13. Now, Simon, he's a magician. He's been fooling the people with his tricks. They called him the great power, but the Bible's clear in verse 12. It's, it's just all magic, make-believe. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Why? Who is he hearing? He's hearing Philip, who again is not a, a pastor. He is a deacon, and Philip is so filled with the Spirit that he, he just says, I got to go tell people about Jesus. As he's telling people about Jesus, watch what happens. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles, the mighty miracles, the miraculous power he saw. What kind of signs did he see? Look at it. Acts 8, 6. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. It appears, and this is just an insight, it appears that often, we talked on Wednesday night a few weeks ago about the power of testimony. It appears that once certain miracles start happening, there seems to be, when you talk to people who function in the supernatural, it, it causes people to instantly begin to believe for that in their own life or in the lives that they know. And so this is what's happening. A few get healed, and now all kinds of people are getting healed. But it's the power of God working through a man named Philip. You go to Acts chapter 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and miraculous power, mighty power, and how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil. Sometimes sickness is the result of demonic oppression in the life of a person. 
You have to, this power that we're talking about helps you to know what's happening in a situation, to know what you couldn't know, humanly speaking. But a part of that miraculous power is the ability instantly to discern what's the motivating factor behind the illness in a person's life. Listen, who doesn't need this and who wouldn't benefit from this? And why wouldn't every single one of us say, I'm in, I'm on, I want it? I mean, Jesus use this power. He's the son of God, yes, but he sets aside the prerogatives and the privileges of his deity, Philippians chapter 2, and he functions under, last week we saw it, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The same power he used is the same power he wants to baptize you with. Acts chapter 19. God did extraordinary, mighty miracles, extraordinary, miraculous power, through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. So he's a tent maker and he's working there today, making tents. He's busy. He's trying to support himself in the ministry, wipes his brow with a rag, throws it to the side. People are taking it. They're placing it on people and people are being healed. Their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. How's that happen? Is it Paul's sweat? No, it's God's power. When Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he was talking about mighty power. He was talking about miraculous power to do miracles, to heal the paralytic, Acts 3, to boldly speak under the threat of death, Acts 4, to do great signs and wonders, Acts 6, to cast out demons and heal paralytics, Acts 8, to do the miracles Jesus did, Acts 10, to have power to take pieces of cloth and from you to someone else and have them laid on that person and healed in, the G in Jesus' name. Now listen, we've all heard of charlatans who have done whatever they've done, but that doesn't negate the fact that where there's a counterfeit, there is a real. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an immersion into the mighty, miraculous power of heaven. It's you and I being immersed, being put in to the power of the Holy Spirit to the point that it permeates who we are and what we are and changes us. Sadly, what happens is too many people have made, pull up Acts 1-8 if you, if you don't mind, Colin. Too many people have made Acts 1-8 about, but you'll receive tongues when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen, praise God for a prayer language. But I'm not much interested in hearing you have a prayer language if you don't have power. I'm not much interested in hearing you have a prayer language if you can't go across the street and witness to your neighbor. Something's wrong. You have less than was promised. You have less than you need. You have less than an overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have less than miraculous power. Jesus said you'll receive miraculous power. Jesus said you'll receive mighty power. 
power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power that, as we saw last time, helps us continue what Jesus began. We begin to speak like he spoke. We begin to do what he did because we are his body. We are his followers. Christians means little Christ. That's They're first called Christians at Antioch. It means like you're a little Jesus. You're a representative. You speak like him. You do what he did. That's the idea behind Christianity. It is you become a Christian by a supernatural power, but it doesn't stop there. It's not like you wait until you get to heaven to experience the rest of it. No, God has saved you for a purpose, on purpose. He's got power to help you live a supernatural life. Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if it's not about power, it's not about anything. Do you have power? Do you want power? I mean, and that's a, that's a second question for people to consider. If you don't want power, then you have to say somehow you've lost your interest in receiving from God all that God wants to give. It would be like you having family and you're together at Christmas and you have this great gift that you want to give uh, some family members and they're like, yeah, I don't think I want to open that. And you're like, hey, you're going to really love this gift. It's going to be awesome. And, and you're like, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to open it this year. If that was you giving the gift and a, and a family member did that, you'd be like, I don't care. You're going to open the gift. If I have to put your hands on the present and rip the paper off with you. I mean, right? God offers power. This is, this is an invitation to the excitement, the reality, the truth of the Spirit of God working through the believer, and our world desperately needs it. Honestly, folks, come on, let's think this through a little bit. In Springfield, we have the highest poverty rate in the state. We have, we have crime going out of control. Springfield's one of the most violent cities in the nation. What do people need? They need power. They need power that will transform them. They need power that will set them free. They need power that will save them. They need power that will, that will sweep into their heart and their home, change their life, change their relationships, change their outlook, change everything about them. Only God's power can do that, and none of us can give what we don't have. Well, let me give you some observations on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not all that we talk about in the Pentecostal Charismatic Church. <laughs> some of you are new today and you're like, oh wow, this has confirmed my worst fear. <laughs> Others of you have come for a while and you're like, oh, here it comes. It's not all we talk about, but it is something we do talk about because it is important. Now, let me just say this, and the note of full disclosure, I haven't preached on the book of Acts for 20 years, but it's time, we need it, God's working, and I believe God's gonna do some amazing things. I'm so excited to see what God's gonna do. And I just want every single person 
who's a part of James River, to be empowered to a degree and a level you have never experienced. Some of you, you have, you've never prayed for somebody and seen God heal them. Once you do, it will absolutely radically change you. I was, I was thinking about uh, back in March, the night that Bill Johnson was here and Bill had asked people to pray for one another and he said, you know, you just need to lay hands and, and it was a night when God was really, I think, giving people a taste of what he would do and there was a gentleman here who he had, he's been working on the building, one of our construction workers, and he decided to come to church because he said this. Here's what he said. He was watching the people in the church. He said, if the people who are cleaning the restrooms are that happy, something good has got to be going on in the place. He would interact with the maintenance crew, and he's like, these people are so happy. Isn't this something wonderful? And, and he just kept meeting the staff and thinking that. And so he's there on the Wednesday night, and Bill says, you know, he says, the Lord is going to heal people's hearing. And, and so if somebody, raise your hand if you need healing. And so the, a person raises their hand. This guy's standing next to him. And the guy, he, he's like, he's like, well, man, I'm, I mean, I'm not even from this kind of background. I mean, I, I don't, he was very in that moment kind of wondering about it. And um, Bill said, hey, you know, and you maybe have never done this before. That's, that's okay because God loves to work with beginners. And, and sometimes it's easier for him to work with beginners. So um, he laid hands on the guy Instantly, the guy was healed. Instantly, the guy was healed. It's changed him. Not the guy who was healed. It's changed him, I'm sure. It's changed the other person. You pray for somebody, and you watch God do the miraculous, you'll never be the same ever again. And the next time you encounter a difficulty, there's going to be a faith in your heart and an enthusiasm rather than a dread, rather than a I wonder or I hope or maybe. There'll be a confidence that says, I have a God who heals. I know that he heals. Let me pray for you. That's what power does. Number two, the Bible uses different terms for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important because, because sometimes what happens is people get all... all confused by the different terminology the Bible uses. So there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we talked about it last time. I read you John Piper quote where he says, it is a second work of the Spirit that empowers the believer, clearly. There are several terms. The first term, uh, let me just give you, I'm going to give you six terms real quick. Baptized with the Spirit. We saw that in Acts 1.5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two words in the New Testament used for baptized. There's bapto and baptizo. Both words mean to dip or immerse. But the Greek word used in Acts 1.5 is baptizo. And let me illustrate the difference this way without getting too technical. There was a Greek poet and doctor by the name of Nicander who lived in 200 BC, and he wrote a recipe for making pickles. He began by saying this, to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, and he used the word bapto, into boiling water, and then baptizoed in a vinegar solution. Do you get it? Bapto is a temporary short dipping. Baptizo is an immersion for such a long time that it produces a complete change in the vegetable. It takes it from being a cucumber and turns it into a pickle. Let me put it this way. You need to be pickled. 
You need to be, every one of us needs to be so immersed in the Holy Spirit that it produces a profound change in us. We're different. We, we taste different. We act different. We, we are different. As different as a pickle is from a cucumber. Number two, second term, the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts 1.8, this is where we, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus says, wait, you're gonna be baptized with the Spirit, but then he uses another term. He says, the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the same thing, just different phrases. The Greek word there, epikomai, means come upon. It's the idea of, of you're going to encounter, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're gonna encounter a different set of circumstances. In other words, when God empowers you with mighty power, with miraculous power, what happens is all of a sudden life has changed for you and everyone around you. It's a different set of circumstances. You get an idea of what that means if you look at Luke chapter 21 and verse 26. Jesus talking about the end time says, men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. In the tribulation, at the end of time, it's gonna be a different set of circumstances. It will not be like today. As difficult as the pandemic has been, that's child's play compared to what's gonna happen. It should be a different set of circumstances. Life will be different. The idea is when the Spirit comes upon you, it's gonna be a different set of circumstances. Life is gonna to be totally different. He's gonna reshape your perspective. He's gonna reshape your passion. You're gonna have power you never had before. Third term, pour out my Spirit. Acts 2 and verse 17. In the last days, Peter, quoting the prophet Joel, said, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So they're filled with the spirit, Acts 2. The people are saying, can you please explain what's going on? Peter says, this is what Joel, the Old Testament prophet, prophesied. God's pouring out his spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is God pouring out his spirit on people, supernaturally miraculously. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at it in the book of Acts. I was reading different accounts. It was so amazing to read some of the accounts where the Spirit of God has been poured out and there have been revivals at Azusa Street. When William Seymour was holding a Bible study in his house, he, he couldn't hold the crowd, so they moved to a horse stable. They were having church in the horse stable. He was preaching and he was teaching, and all of a sudden, the people across the street said, the building is on fire. They called for the fire brigade. They showed up. The building was on fire. When they applied water to it, the fire would not go out. Why? Because it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It's fire. It's supernatural. And Azusa resulted in the gospel. It was the beginning of a worldwide revival, the likes of which humanity has never seen. And, and God's not done doing that. 
God is not done pouring out his spirit. He's not done touching people. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. The word there is echeo in the Greek. It's the idea of, of water that is, that is shooting out, that's being poured out. When water's poured out of a dam, when that water goes out those sluice gates, what's produced? It's energy. And the Holy Spirit gives you a divine energy, a divine power. He will, he will energize you. He says, your young men will will uh, see visions, your old men will dream dreams. So if you want to know if you're young or old, are you seeing visions or are you dreaming dreams? Which is it? <laughs> Fourth term. Just kidding. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I thought it's salvation. I, the Holy Spirit lives in me, so how can I be filled? No, it's the idea. He lives in you at salvation. If any man does not have the Spirit, he's not of Christ. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. At salvation, the Spirit of God lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there is a second, uh, there is a second work of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where he comes upon you, where he's poured out on you, where he, in, in, in this sense, fills you. The Greek word there is plerao, and it has the idea of, of, of a wind filling a sail. In other words, why, does the, what, why do you lift a sail? So the wind pushes the ship along. It drives you. It, and it's used in the Gospels of, of the disciples. They were filled with grief. In that moment, they're dominated by grief. Of the Pharisees, when Jesus teaches, they're filled with anger. They're dominated in that moment by anger. It's the thing that dominates them. It's the thing that directs them. In other words, in that moment, they are controlled by that emotion. The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, it is like instantly you are clothed with power. Jesus said that in Luke 24. And all of a sudden, he is guiding you. He is directing you. He is not only leading you. In Mark 1:12, he drove Jesus into the wilderness. He drives you. You see, some, some of you, I think all of us benefit from that leading of the Holy Spirit where he directs our steps, where he moves us along, where he's driving us. Yesterday, Jody was at the Life Group Leaders Conference, our Life Group Director, and she was out there looking at all of the people, and she said, I'm going to go sit by somebody. She sits down by somebody. As she begins to talk to them, she finds out that they're missionaries from Spain who have retired here to Springfield. As she's talking with them, says, is there anything we could do? She said, oh, yes, I've been praying that we would have somebody who could help us with our Spanish-speaking life groups, here's what the missionary said. The woman said to the person sitting next to her, I told her this, we'll find out if God has something for us to do here, because if he does, and she said, we just prayed this, Lord, send Jody to sit down right across from us to talk to us about ministry. Listen, that's what we're talking about. When you are full of the Spirit's power, all of a sudden, you are on a divine appointment because he's driving you, he's pushing you, he's directing you, he's leading you. Yeah. Number five, the Spirit fell upon. Acts 10, 44. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. Listen, you know, for a lot of people, this is how it's going to happen. The Spirit of God is just going to spontaneously fall on people. That will happen for some people. The word there is epipipto. It's a really cool word. It gives us an idea. Um, in order to give you an idea of what it means, uh, you can look at a couple of scriptures in Acts 20 and verse 17. They all wept as they 
fell upon him as they epipiptoed him. What did they do? Paul's saying goodbye to him. He's saying, you're never going to see me again. They all, the Ephesian elders, they're like so sad, and they hugged him. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is it when the Spirit comes upon you? What is it like? It's like a divine hug from Jesus. It's like God hugging you. It's like, listen, you don't have to be afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's everything to be excited about. But it's like a warm hug. It's used in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son's father. He saw his son a long way off, filled with compassion for him. He ran, and when he got to him, he threw his arms around him. It's a compassionate embrace from the Holy Spirit. Number six, they received the Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The, the word received there is a very interesting word in the Greek. It's, it's the word lembano and it conveys the idea of receiving and at the same time, the idea of taking. You see, it's, it's how God works with people. Did you receive salvation or did you take salvation? God can offer salvation all day long, but unless you call on the name of the Lord, it's not yours, right? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He holds his, the gift out. He wants you to receive it, but in order to receive it, you have to take it, right? Who would like $100 today? Who'd like $100 today? I mean, nobody's excited about $100. I thought $100 would, would flat work people up. Come on, $100, you can't even. I like that excitement. Okay, Christina, come on up here. Give it up for Christina. Christina, I've got a $100 bill here. It's a, it's a real $100 bill. I really like you to have it. Would you like to have it? You really, you, you really want it? You really want it? Yes. How bad do you want it? I'm not going to tackle you. You're not going to tackle me. Well, thank you. But you really want it. Well, I want you to have it. Yes, I mean, here it is. You can have it if you want it. Really? Yeah, you can have it. You, what, you think I don't want you to have it? I want you to have it. You're say, she's saying, really? I mean, in front of all these people, would I do that to you? It's a $100 bill. Let's see. I better make sure it's, it's yeah, it's legit. It's got the little, little thing. You really want it? It's yours. It's yours. There you go. Let's give her a big round of applause. That's a perfect illustration of how a lot of people approach God over the Holy Spirit. God says, I want you to have it. I've got something for you. I want to give it to you. Would you like it? Yeah, I'd like it. Well, here it is. And they're, you know, how bad do you want it? Well, I really want it. Well, it's yours. How bad do you want it? Well, I'm not going to tackle you, but I really want it. You know, I mean, it's like, hello. No offense, Christina. What's she got to do to get it? She's got to take it. You see, some people want God to do everything. But here's the thing, even when it comes to the receiving, it's, it's part of teaching you how this whole thing's gonna work. If you think you're gonna just become a zombie, comatose robot, who just, you know, with mindlessly walks around, 
that's, that's, not how the, that's not how any of this works. You hear the call to salvation, do you want it? Yes, well, you've got to make a decision to take it. Do you want the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Do you want miraculous power? Do you want mighty power? It's yours. The promise is for you and all who are far off. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All you got to do is want it, but you got to take it. You see, I see people at times, and they're like, well, I'm waiting for God to do it. And they're like this. And I'm like, at some point, you got to take hold of it. You got you to, by faith, take what God has right here in front of you. I remember John Snavely. I love John Snavely. Lil still attends church and, and uh, Joy and Tracy. But um, John was our pastoral care pastor back in the early days of James River. Some of you remember John. And um, John would say this. He had these great, he pastored for years, these country churches, and he just had so much great practical wisdom. And he, we would have services. We were praying for people. And, and afterwards, we'd talk, kind of debrief, and John say, yeah, I prayed for him. God had done about all he was going to do for him. It was just up to them to take it. I mean, he was all over them. He was right there. They just had to step out into it. He gives it, but you receive it. He gives it, but you take it. That's how it works. It's a gift for you. One last thing, and I'll leave you with this, and we'll close. You have to wait on the Lord to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You have to wait. Acts 1-4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait. Do they know what's going to happen? No. He just said, it's a promise. I can't wait for you to get it. But I just need you to, I need you to sit tight and wait. What do I do? I wait. So you can imagine, they're in the upper room, they're waiting. Day two, they're waiting. Day three, they're waiting. Day four, they're waiting. Day five, they're waiting. Honestly, after about a week, most people are out on waiting. If they stop waiting on day seven, they're not gonna get it. They wait day eight. They wait day nine. They wait day 10. And some, some moment on day 10, as they're together, they hear a wind. Meltari pastoring in East Timor, Presbyterian, said, we knew nothing about anything other than we had a plan and we worked a plan. That's kind of the way Presbyterians roll. Have a plan, work a plan. I was raised Presbyterian, so I could say that. And he said, all of a sudden, he heard wind. He turned to the person next to him. He said, there must be a storm coming in. The person said, the wind's not on the outside. The wind's on the inside. The wind's on the inside. And all of a sudden, people began to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how it's going to happen for you. Listen, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen people wake up in the middle of the night, filled with the Spirit, and encounter with God that's transformed them. I've seen people that have had it in worship service commonly, in worship service. They're just worshiping God, and instantly they're so full of God, they don't have room for anything else. They're filled. The Spirit's come upon them. The Spirit's empowered them. 
a pastor in Western Kansas, and there was a farmer out in Western Kansas who was Lutheran in background, and he wasn't sure about it, and then he decided he wanted it. But sometimes people who kind of come that route, they're, they're so wrapped up in trying to think it out rather than just by faith accepting sim simply what the Word of God says. But he wanted it, hadn't received it, began to think it wasn't for him. Till one day he was in the middle of his field, and one of his friends, you know, drylanders, they'll have planes where they fly over the fields, and one of his friends was flying up above. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to him and said, David, if you'll kneel down, he was muddy. If you'll kneel down, I will fill you full of the Holy Spirit. And he knelt down. And in that moment, he was gloriously filled with the Holy Spirit. But you got to wait. You got to wait. Some of you will wait five seconds. Some of you will wait five days. Some of you will wait five weeks. Some of you might, for some reason, wait five months. But I'm telling you, every single day you're waiting, God's working. Every single day you're waiting, God's filling every single day. He's not abandoning you. Some people thought he's not doing it when nothing was farther from the truth. He's just doing a deeper work. He's just doing more. He's just giving you a power like you can't imagine. He's asking you to wait. Acts 1.5, I'll close. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Prophetically, this is for you. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It'll immerse you. It'll change you. It'll bring you into a new dimension. It will give you a spiritual energy. You'll be dominated by the Holy Spirit in a new way. You'll feel God's embrace. You'll reach out and take it. And you'll have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you.